Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. So, Steve, we're back. Yes, we are. We uh, talked last week about how crazy the world was uh, getting. And, you know, it was, uh, what was our title last week? How to get out of your coronavirus brain and take charge. Yes, yes. And uh, not a lot's changed since last week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, a lot's changed, but I think it's just gotten scarier. Yeah, in a different, right. Yeah, just gotten a little (laughs) bit scarier, but. Oh boy, we were, uh, you know, we were talking about kind of where things are at. And last week we, we talked about the fact that those of us in recovery from either addiction or betrayal trauma and a lot of the hard stuff we've been through has prepared us in in a lot of ways to face a lot of this scary stuff Mm -hmm. because there's so much of the, you know, the tools and skills and knowledge that you use in recovery and healing that really applies to what we're facing today. And a lot of people in the world are not really familiar with recovery, uh, you know, processes and, and language and tools. Um, yes. But this is a chance for people to learn a lot of these skills. And so I was, you know, we were, we were talking today about this concept of that you and I talk about every day with our clients and our practices and in, in, in our own personal lives, this thing called surrender. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny word because... I remember back when I was I first took it seriously years ago to look at it in my own life. I I thought the people who were teaching it to me were nuts. Oh yeah. Like whoa 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 wait <laughs> surrender what what are you talking about? No no that's not what I was taught. I yeah. was taught when things get hard and tough, you fight, you put up your fists and you go to war, you battle it. You you actually increase your efforts at control, not surrender. Are you people nuts? Pull up your bootstraps and 
and Seriously? Uh, get get to it. <gasps> yep, I was raised in a similar similar culture. I'm picturing this little wimpy dude waving his little white flag. I surrender. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I had no understanding of the concept. And frankly, yeah. at this point in my life, and you know, the work I do as a therapist and and in my own recovery work, surrender is the most powerful. Uh, tool and process that I have access to. Mm, I think it's, I just think it's incredible. It's amazing. And it's so misunderstood. So today we decided we were going to talk about this concept of surrender. Um, Yeah. How to, what it is, how to use it, um, not only for addiction and betrayal trauma issues, but for a lot of what we're facing in the world today. And I think it's desperately needed. So let's uh, let's talk really quick about <clears throat> one of my favorite topics, which is the human brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which boy are we seeing the human brain today? Oh my gosh! <laughs> in the Real news time. and what's going on in our society and culture. And the thing to the thing to understand about the human brain is that its primary purpose, the the thing that it has the most resources in the brain are dedicated toward, is this concept of survival protect myself, survive, keep going. And that is what we're designed to do as, you know, kind of the base foundation of, of being human beings. Yes. And man, are we seeing the survival brain in action today? And, you know, legitimately so. There's a lot of stuff to be pretty concerned about. I know a lot of people even weeks ago started out, oh, is this really a big deal? Is this, is this going to be as huge as some people are saying? And of course, now we're seeing with New York City and other places around the world that this is this is the real deal. And yeah. so the thing to be aware of is that when that happens, when the reality starts to hit you, <clears throat> that survival brain is going to try to take over. It's going to try to step in and, and it's going to say, I have to now start to micromanage and control everything. Yeah, I got to get my arms around this. I got to get a grasp on this and, and control it all. Yeah, and the irony of that is when your brain's screaming at you that that's the case, you actually see a world around you where exactly the opposite is taking place. It's out of control. Yeah, there's increasing amounts of stuff that I can't control, and yet my brain's telling me that I have to, I must, in order to feel safe, secure, to feel like I'm doing something. I've got to control it. Well, and and when you look at the you know the that fight flight freeze response that we all have inside of us, it works for and it, it to to get you out of you know temporary kind of an, an immediate danger and an immediate situation and an immediate threat. Those actually those tools work really well. Um, unfortunately, when you're talking about both current world events, right? Uh, you know, and dealing with with uh, all of the the financial and economic and and other challenges that are coming with this coronavirus event, or when you're talking about recovery, uh, the fight, flight, or freeze response actually is totally counterproductive because fighting is, is like we talked, I think we talked about this last week, is just escalation, which inevitably rarely works. Uh, or flight is just running away from the problem. <laughs> yeah. And freezing is just shutting down, becoming overwhelmed and just turning off. And and again, those things all work great if you're running from a bear, but they are horrible if you're trying to maintain connection, if you're trying to weather a long-term storm, if you're trying to get, because this situation, you know, we're all about connection on this show. The only way we're going to make it through 
for example, current world events, is if we band together. If, if we all try to go rogue on this thing and go it alone, it is not going to be pretty. Um, and, and, those, and those responses, they just don't work effectively in these sorts of situations. And that's why I love what you're talking about, like the 12-step program. And specifically, I'm, I'm so stoked we're talking about surrender today. Because for speaking personally, surrender saved my life. This whole concept of surrender and letting go, it was the difference between me being divorced and miserable and probably deeper into my addiction than ever before. Who knows where I would be versus still being married, having a healthy relationship, connection with my wife, you know, loving myself, a connection with a higher power. The difference was what we're talking about. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be good. Well, and that's, that's true for me too. I mean, I, for decades, I tried to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And it just it just got worse and worse. Yes. Until I dug myself into such a deep hole that <clears throat> for me, you know, people say, well, what got you finally to the place where you were willing to be open to this thing called surrender? And for me, it was I had no other options. Yes. Absolutely. Well, well there was one last option that, and that was called die. Sure. Just lay down and die. And my addiction actually got me to a place where my health issues became so severe that I was literally like at death's door. Sure. It's like, okay, I can keep trying to do it my way. That's working out real good. Or Mm -hmm. I can surrender and open myself to a different way. And I'm like you, the the surrender process literally saved me, saved me, saved my marriage, saved my family. It was the, it was the golden grand key to the whole thing. Yeah. And so whether people listening are suffering right now with addiction or betrayal trauma or just caught up in what's going on with world events, we're going to share with you, you know, real quick here, a process that literally is, can be the answer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what the world really needs today, in my opinion, is, 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 you know, we really need a manifestation of that serenity prayer that, uh, you know, we in 12 step talk about all the time being granted the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think all of us are really well acquainted, at least to some degree or another, about changing the things that we can, because we're all about, like you said, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and take control. And there's, and there's a lot to be said for that, and that's important. But what we're going to be talking about today is what do you do with all the stuff that you can't? Because everybody right now in the world, frankly, is, is kind of having to face the stark reality that uh, they're they're having to come out of kind of that healthy naivety com- complex that I talk that I kind of use in my practice of you know I uh, uh, this fallacy that we oftentimes think we have much more control than we do and the world right now is staring itself in the face in a very blatant way having to recognize that you know what for the average citizen what's going on in my own life right now I have like two to five percent control over and everything else is stuff that if I, if I just sit and stare at the news and, and, and fall into a, you know, a, a, a victim mentality, I'll just, I, I won't ever make it through this, at least not in a positive way. And so we're being very much forced, right, to, to take a look and, and, and find ways to deal with the fact that there is this huge elephant, coronavirus element or element in each of our households and in our own minds that we just, that we can't change or fix. So we got to do something with it. Yeah, I think that recognition is so important. And, and if we talk about addiction, for example, you know, when we struggle with addiction, 
we kind of addiction really gets triggered often by, I guess you could call it like little mini coronavirus events in our lives. Yes. <clears throat> Something becomes unmanageable. Uh, I lost my job. I had a fight with my wife. I'm not feeling good. Uh, childhood traumas are starting to bubble up inside of me. Whatever it is, there's mm -hmm. some sort of a little crisis that then puts my brain into fight or flight or freeze mode. And then I immediately say, okay, this is unmanageable. I got to, what am I going to do to control this? What am I going to mm -hmm. do to feel better? What am I going to do to self-soothe, to self-medicate, to avoid, to escape? And of course, through habit, through years and years of patterning, here comes my brain and says, oh, I know exactly what you need to do right now to control this. Go sure. look at porn, you know, go all the different kinds of sexual outlets or masturbation or whatever it is. My brain has the answer. Yeah. And that's, that's quote my way. And what we're talking about today is getting to the place of recognition where you realize that's really not working that well. Yes. It's created a lot of fallout, a lot of problems, a lot of, you know, wreckage. And so now am I, am I willing to recognize that that's not working? And am I willing to now open myself to a different option, to a different approach, to a different way? And, you know, that brings us to this thing, you know, acknowledgement. Am I, am I ready to acknowledge that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the, I mean, you look at, and this applies not just for addicts, right? But it applies to the common world event, but it, it applies to our betrayal trauma listeners as well. It's the same thing, right? For, for you addicts and for you betrayal trauma uh, victims out there, uh, which would probably comprise pretty much all of our audience right now. <laughs> um, you can see if you, I, I would challenge you to look back on your life pre recovery, pre getting, you know, starting to work on this with a therapist, pre getting into 12 step, pre getting outside external qualified help. Most of us just went through this endless spin cycle, right? Of this fight, flight, or freeze. You know, addicts do this all the time. You could look at that as the addiction cycle. They'll try to battle it, they become overwhelmed. And then they flee, they run, they escape. And you see the same thing in, in betrayal trauma as well, right? They will, you know, betrayal trauma victims, they'll try to battle this thing through different means that we've talked about in the past that inevitably never work. They're trying to take ownership of their spouse's recovery, understandably so, because they want to be able to try and fix him or her, right? Make a change. And, and then it becomes overwhelming and they shut down. And that progressive cycle on both ends of the spectrum, even though it looks very different from person to person, uh, is, is what will eventually end the marriage, probably far quicker than just the sexual component alone. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, that recognition piece is critical. And in order for recognition, in my opinion, to really take place, this acknowledgement concept that you just brought up is so important. Um, when I first got into recovery, I... You know, I, I wish I could say that I was just completely oblivious until I got serious about it, that I knew I needed to change. The reality is, is that I, I knew there were little steps, like you said, little signs along the way, right? That, uh, that were saying, you know, this is something you may want to do differently. <laughs> this isn't uh, the way to live, right? Little consequences were starting to mount. But when I came to that place of acknowledgement, that was taking recognition to that whole next level. Because it wasn't just looking at the consequences as they are. It was being able to reference my past in a healthy way and, and, and do what I call playing the tape forward, right? It's this idea of, of, of playing the tape forward and saying, you know what, these many consequences have happened up to this point, but if, they don't, uh, but if I don't make changes, then I'm going, to, I'm going to come up against this entire new set of consequences, right? If I continue along this trend. And so it's that recognition and looking towards 
uh, that acknowledgement piece that I think is so important uh, for surrender. Because the reality is, is a lot of my clients struggle with the surrender piece because they haven't come to a real recognition of the gravity of the situation. They haven't taken that time to play the tape forward, right? Um, these, these two steps of recognition of, of that I have a problem and acknowledgement of this is how bad it will become if I continue on are, are essential steps that oftentimes get skipped and they will disrupt the surrender process. And I'll work with a lot of guys who, and I know you do as well, who struggle with it in part because of those two things. Well, and an important part to, to recognize about that is one of the reasons why um, we kind of <clears throat> go back and forth in this recognition and acknowledgement part of the process is that it's another protection mechanism in the brain. Yes. When things get super scary, things are out of control. You know, my marriage is falling apart. I have no control over my choices. I keep running to these sexual outlets or I keep trying to control my husband's behaviors. You know, I'm, I've become a cop in my own home, a detective, always looking to see where he's been on his computer, what he's been doing. And it just starts to completely take over our lives. One of the protection mechanisms is that to, to start to say, well, maybe it's not that bad. Yes. Or it could get better. And there are uh -huh. periods where it seems to, it, it kind of goes into a little bit of a lull where things aren't as bad. Totally. And boy, the brain will grab that and go, oh, okay, we're good. We're good. My strategies are working. <laughs> Absolutely. But Absolutely. it's just a little, it's just a little pause. And then here comes the full crap. And, and then it hits you and you're like, oh my gosh, it, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Sure. You can well, vacillate back and forth with where you are with recognition and acknowledgement about how things really are. Well, and that plays out even just in the world today, right? If we were to apply that kind of real world circumstances, right? <laughs> yes. You know, if you would, if you'd asked, uh, you know, Spain yesterday, how things were going on the coronavirus front, they would have told you very poor, you know, 650 some odd people passed away in a single day that they know of, right? Yeah. Very scary stuff. But then there are other, you know, and, and a lot of countries are facing similar things. But when you get some good news, good news is good, right? Good news is always good news. But where it becomes problematic is, is exactly what you're saying. What's well, like, oh, well, things have, they're a little better today or they're a little better this week. So the crisis has passed, right? We can just move on. And, and you have to keep that bigger picture about the overall cycle and really ask yourself, you know, in like in a recovery sense, for example, we have been doing this dance, my husband and I, or my wife and I, for five years. Have we really progressed? Have we really made progress? Are we closer? Do we have better intimacy? We're surviving, right? We're getting along. I mean, we're, we're making it. No one's left yet. But you, that's where you have to really ask yourself and say, what's the long-term trend here of these actions? And I think that's what, that, that's what pushes us into a place where we really become willing to to do anything, including the hardest thing for all of us, which is a surrender priest, right? Which is to take your hands off the wheel, which I know at least in our American culture, we are just hardwired to do, right? You got to control it. You got to change it. Like you were talking about, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And, and in a situation like this, all that will do is drain you of resources and, abil and the ability to control the things that you can while you waste them all on the things that you can't. Well, and I think that's one of the great challenges before, you know, as I look back on my recovery years and, and a lot of the guys and, and gals that I work with, before we really understand and embrace surrender, <clears throat> we can expend a lot of energy trying yes. to do it our way. 
gosh. And the reason that that is so tragic is that by the time you're, <clears throat> by the time you've tried your way, all the very, all the different forms of your way, often you're so exhausted. There's so much wreckage and things are so just destroyed that you scarcely have enough energy to look at now doing real recovery. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes you go through a period where you're just done. And it's like somebody talks to you about recovery. You know, there is a better way. Well, that sounds great, but I got nothing left. Yeah. And so it can be hard to make this transition to the true surrender process because you've expended so much energy uh, trying, to, trying, to, trying to do it a different way. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a great point. I mean, the sooner that you're able to get into a surrender kind of a mindset, right? It is what empowers you because I so agree with what you said at the beginning of this. Surrender's got a really bad rap in our culture, right? It's this whole concept of surrender. It, 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 culturally, when we think of the word surrender, most people think of weakness. They think of like waving the white flag. I give up. I give in. I can't do it. I can't, you know, and, and I, I'm not strong enough. And, and the reality is, is that it actually is the most empowering thing that you can do. Because what it's saying is not just I'm a victim to everything and so I've got to let it all go and put it on God's shoulders. What it's saying is I've got to let go of the stuff that, that experience is proving to me, to me in this world, to me in this marriage, that what I am doing doesn't work. It kind of goes back to that concept of what you and I talked about before. My, I was in a session with a client the other day. Maybe this makes me too, uh, this makes me sound too brutal. You have to understand the context of it. But I was in a session with a client the other day and we were talking about this very concept. And I told him, you know, you know, let's call him Jim. You're a really smart guy. You're, he, this guy is. He's smart. He's accomplished. He's, you know, done a lot of things right. He's made a lot of progress in various areas of his life. He's successful in many ways. But I, I said to him, you know, your best effort in this area, this specific area of recovery with your wife, got you one place and it's right there on my couch. That's where it got you, Right. And that's, and it's the same thing for you and me, right? That's what got us on our therapist couch. That's what got us on, you know, in those 12 step meetings. That's what's, yeah. that's what got us on whatever. And the sooner we're able to buy into that, like you say, the sooner you're, the more successful you're going to be at the recovery process. Cause you, you haven't expended all of that out. Yeah. It's just, it's the concept in 12 step, you know, your best thinking got you here. Yes. Exactly. And coming to grips with that, you're like, okay, you know what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the crazy part for me. I spent, literally spent decades clenching my fist, gritting my teeth, trying to overcome this, fighting it, battling with it, exhausting, then giving in. Yes. Just abandoning myself to it. <clears throat> and then coming out of that and pounding my fists on the desk and saying, that's the last time I'm going to do that. And starting into the fighting process again, and just over and over, up and down, right? I call it the roller coaster ride from hell. Yeah. And the whole time, I was relying mostly, almost entirely upon my own power, my willpower, my self-discipline, all of the different things that I had to bring to the table in order to break out of this. And once I have done all that I could do, every possible molecule of effort, Mm -hmm. Then God could come in and add a few little drops of grace and yes, you know, yes. kind of do his part. <laughs> and I operated on that basis forever. Yep. And here's the part that as I sit here today that is so amazing to me. The whole time that I was relying almost entirely on me, the whole time that I was doing that, 
there was this source of endless power, literal, eternal, endless power right there at my fingertips. All I had to do was connect to it. Yeah. All I had to do was ask and open myself to it. And it mm-hmm. was right there. Yes. And for decades, I, I, I would not or could not or whatever call upon it. It had to be mostly me. Yes. Now today, I just look at it. And I'm just like, Are you, Mark, what, what were you thinking, man? It was right there. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like imagine you have this power cord. You're, you're relying on your own electricity and your own power to try to get through all this stuff. And right there above your head is this outlet. Yeah. Eternal power source. And all you got to do is reach up and just plug in. Sure. Just like, yeah. whoa, here comes this enabling power. Look, it's amazing. Yes. But you just won't. There's something about your survival ego driven brain that says, no, I can't just plug into it. It's not yeah. that easy. Well, and what you say is is so true because there has to be, if you're going to buy into these concepts surrounding surrender or really anything in recovery, right? There's got to be that conversion process that doesn't just happen intellectually, but it has to move into that emotional and spiritual realm as well. Yes. Because as long as, in my experience, when most of us are converted simply just on an intellectual level, you know, most of us will will fall into a place of compliance, which is, you know, going along to some sort of d- degree, but it's not really conversion to the process. I can recognize intellectually, yeah, my life's burning down, blah, 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 blah. But that whole recognition and acknowledgement piece is not just saying, yeah, my life's burning down, but that I have, you know, to quote 12-step literature, we came to the realization that we had no other options. Nothing will work except for this, right? And that's, and I think that's why it's so, this concept of, and why we're talking about this today isn't just applicable for our addict, addict and, and trauma listeners and our couples, but it, it, it has an application to the world at, at, in general, because we're having to face the fact that despite all these technological advances, despite all these advances in medicine and in communication and everything else that we enjoy in, in our world today, we are still very fallible. And there are still things that we simply cannot control. And like you said, we have to turn to something greater than ourselves to help, to help take on that burden. Because no matter how smart we are, you know, as the saying goes, you're not as smart as you think you are, right? Mm. Too many of us, I think, have operated from that place. And, and even though I, I, I wouldn't even venture in to say whether or not, you know, there's a purpose behind this and, what, and, and, and why a higher power would let these things happen. That's a discussion for another day. I will say, and you and I were talking about this before the show, that it does have the op- opportunity to help, us all, to help us all kind of have a little bit of humility right? Have a little bit of that, allowing that piece in of that recognition that, you know what, it isn't all about me. And even though that is scary and terrifying, it's also really liberating. Because the minute you give into this surrender process, the minute you give yourself over is the minute that you quit beating that head against that cinder block wall that you've been beating it against for, for, for us addicts in many cases, right? For decades. That's where you actually look at the wall and you say, I think I need a hammer. right this head isn't working (laughs) hey everybody mark and steve here are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level we work with individuals and couples one-on-one 
With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Well, and I think I, I love what you're saying because while things are, are really scary, there's a lot of really crazy stuff going on all around us with world events, but also we're, even though the world events are, are all around us, we still have to deal with our addictions and yes. you know, challenges in our marriages and our lives and with our jobs. All of that's still going on as well. So you talk about a time of overwhelm. But the thing I learned through my own recovery, and, and when I see the lights go on for, for guys and, and, and gals that I work with, when suddenly I, I see them, I, I, I swear I can almost see it in their face. It's what I call going from me to we. And when they suddenly, they're like, Mark, are, are you saying that it's not all up to me? That I don't have to, I don't have to muster all the courage and discipline and all this stuff that, that it's not all riding on my shoulders? Is that what you're saying? Mm, like, yeah. yes, there is no me alone in effective recovery, in, in effectively yeah. going forward. You have to be open and willing to make this shift to we. It's now yes. we. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I have resources. I have enabling power. I have grace. I have unity with other people around me. I have Mark and Steve on their weekly yeah. podcast. Yeah. There, there's no me. It's we. Yes. And when, when people realize that, you can just see the hope come into their faces. It's, like, it's almost like, oh, wow. It's not just me anymore. Yes. And it's such, it's just, you just breathe this big sigh of relief, like, oh, thank goodness, because I am burned. I'm just done. Yeah. And so, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I I was just going to say, I mean, what you're describing is, is so true. And that's, you know, if, if we can, you know, I think, I think blessed is the guy or the, or the gal who can come to this realization before they kind of are at the precipice. Right. Yeah. And but unfortunately, I think for the vast majority of us, we do have to uh, it, it does take something significant or us getting pushed out to a certain point to really buy into it, uh, this concept. And so even though these hard, difficult challenges that we face, again, be it in the world, be it in our marriages, be it in your own personal life with addiction or your own struggle, uh, even though those things are horrible and scary and awful and damaging, and they're all the things that they are, so not to minimize any of those things, but there is also that silver lining of the opportunity, right, to come to a greater, a, a place of better coping, a place of better, uh, better functioning, and a place of actually finding real change, right? Not sobriety for the addict, but recovery. Not not just helping a wife to you know not be not just helping a wife to reduce her or minimize her triggers, but to be able to give them away to something else because they're too overwhelming to take on alone. Yeah. Right. And in this crazy broken world that we're living in right now, which it's already always been broken. It's just kind of staring us all more in the face, you know, in days like today, uh, we need that more than ever. Well, so let's, you know, let's, uh, let's take a minute here and break down, <clears throat> this process of surrender. I mean, we've, we've already yeah. been through, you know, the recognition that I, I need to, the acknowledgement that my way's not really working very well. But how do I surrender in the moment, for example? 
And mm. I, I work with my guys a lot on this. And it's a tool I use every day in my life. Yeah. If you can't tell me how to use this surrender process in the trenches today, like when my brain starts screaming at me with fear or worry or lust or urge or whatever, you, you've got to tell me how to be able to use surrender right now. So, so here's how I do it. <clears throat> so when I have a situation where something, where my fight or flight brain, my surrender brain is starting to trigger for whatever reason, I'm mm -hmm. bored, I'm lonely, I'm scared, I'm stressed, I'm hungry, I'm tired, uh, whatever it is. And now what my brain immediately wants to tell me is, okay, here's some unmanageable, uncomfortable, painful feelings. Mark, I have the answer right? Let's run and look at pornography and let's masturbate and everything will be fine. Yes. I've got it figured out. Now, if I'm in addiction, my, my, my tendency is just going to be to, to give myself over to that. Okay, mm, brain, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Take care of me. We're going to escape, soothe, medicate, make the whole world go away. Mm -hmm. But now because I've entered into recovery and I've true, I'm truly trying to give myself over to the surrender process, I do something different this time. When that urge hits and that brain wants to go and do it its way, once again, I pause, I stop, and I step back, yeah. I step outside my brain because I am not my brain, right? I'm an eternal, amazing, incredible being. And I say, wait a second. No, we've always done that in the past. And you know how, you know how that turns out every time. Mm -hmm. So no, you know what? I'm going to surrender that option over. Yeah, I literally kind of put my hands up toward heaven, if you will, and say, God, there's a part of me that really wants to run and do it that way again. <laughs> but you know what? <clears throat> I'm giving that option over to you. And I literally kind of put my hands like I'm giving it to him. Mm -hmm. You take it. Yeah, That way of doing it is off the table in this moment. I'm not, I'm sacrificing it. I'm, I'm, I'm giving it away. Now, if I stop at that point in the surrender process and that's all I do, guess what's going to happen? A few minutes or an hour or, or, or whenever later, the brain's going to come back and it's going to try to do it all over again because the brain's not just going to sit there with no solution. For sure. Because it's Absolutely. still stressed out. It's still scared. It's still whatever. So once I give that my way of doing it away, I surrender it. Now I stop and I say, okay, that's off the table. So what do I need in this moment? What is the answer? What is the solution? And that's where I turn to God or my higher power and I ask, okay, mm -hmm. you know everything. You have all wisdom. You have all knowledge, right? This is where I plug my, I plug into that enabling power source and I just ask, okay, what, what is the, what is the best option mm. for me to do? And I just be quiet, just be still and wait for an impression, an idea, something to occur to me. And it's, it's crazy, but I'm telling you, it virtually always happens. Something yeah. will occur to me. Yes. And all the people I work with say the same thing. When they be quiet, they they put on the you know put on the shelf, doing it the the brains the the addict way, the betrayal trauma way, and they just ask and then just be peaceful and listen. Something will occur to you. Something will come. I call that grace. I call that the the really truly enabling power of grace in the moment. Sure, eat it. It's not all up to me. Well, I, and yeah. yeah.
No, absolutely. Well, and, and if I was to add to that, I mean, I what you're describing is kind of how I, I usually describe my office. It's this replacing concept, right? Because you cannot take something as big as, say, your own self-will, <laughs> right? Or your own way of doing it without replacing it with something else. All you do is create a power vacuum. And like you said, um, that that usually results in best case scenario, just the same old triggers, the same old things will inevitably come back. But worst case scenario, something worse comes along and it actually, you know, can be more amplified and, and that can leave a guy more at risk for, you know, relapse or even deepening in the addiction, for example. And so if you're talking about this replacing concept, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, this is where the higher power piece of this whole concept kind of comes into play is, is we have to, now, now before I even get into this, we probably ought to just pause for a second and just say, we recognize that everybody's in kind of a different place on the higher power concept plane, right? For some people, that's a Christian God. For some people, that's a, that's a Muslim God. For some people, that's going to be something different, right? And, and, and for, for a lot of us, uh, even regardless of our belief system, we've all got uh, baggage, spiritual baggage <laughs> that oftentimes accompanies that relationship. So we recognize that, you know, this is, this is easier said than done. And one of the reasons why people struggle with surrender is because if you're going to give stuff over to something, you have to trust that thing that you're giving it over to. The degree to which you trust that thing, that entity, that whatever you want to call it, um, is the degree to which this process is going to be effective. And so, and so there is that whole critical piece. So we, we will talk about that another day, about how to better that relationship, how to enhance that relationship, grow that relationship, but just wanting to kind of acknowledge that. But like if, if we talk about this replacing thing, and if I really am in that trusting place with my higher power, for me, oftentimes what that is, is, is I, I tend to kind of be more of a purist 12-step guy where it's looking to, okay, so what is your, similar to what you're describing, right? What is your will, right? What do you want me to see here? What would you like done differently, right? Um, if I'm dealing with, for example, a sexual trigger, um, my replacing oftentimes looks like, you know what, God, help me to not objectify that person, right? Help me to see them the way that you see them. Help me to see that person as, you know, a woman with strength and power and character and beauty and internal and external and to see her as, as who she is, not somebody who deserves objectification, right? Or deserves some sort of manipulation or, you know, something that can serve my own ends. After I go through the surrender process, that's how I turn to it, right? It's give me that perspective. Give me that idea. So there's a lot of ways that this can look like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's powerful stuff here. Yeah, there, there's, I mean, the list of, of what you're going to replace your old behavior with, and, you know, replace it with something else. <clears throat> that's a big list. It is. And I, I, it's why I tell, it's why I often will tell guys, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do teach a basic list of tools. Yes. And I always encourage guys or, you know, or spouses who are dealing with betrayal trauma, here's six or seven tools that, that, that I've taught you. And you know that in that moment, those are available to you. Mm-hmm. And so it may be as simple as you, as you stopping and pausing and putting your old way on the table and going, what do I need? And it might occur to you, you know what? I need to reach out to somebody. Yeah. I'm going to do a reach out call right now. I'm going to pick Absolutely. up my phone, hit my speed dial <clears throat> and talk to so-and-so and get raw and real about what I'm feeling right now in this moment. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring that up, Mark, because that actually 
for, for a lot of guys that I work with and, and myself included, I would throw myself in this boat, uh, especially in early recovery when God and I had a lot of issues. <laughs> we still had to work out. Even though I was giving away things to God, using that medium of another person was critical. Uh, that was like necessary for me because me just me and God one on one. It was kind of like, you know, George Costanza and, and Elaine, you know, without Jerry. It just sort of uh, <laughs> it was this really awkward, weird relationship. I kind of needed another person to kind of I, I need another person in that process to to kind of help me through it. So I will oftentimes when I do that surrender, like you said, you'll reach out to somebody not just for support or, or strength or hope, but all those things are good. But just to be able to have something physical right? Something tangible to send that to, right? And it can't, and sometimes that can be really helpful doing with another person. One of the things that seems to work really well for me and my clients is I'll have them write out that surrender, call it prayer or message or whatever fits best for you. And I'll have them actually write that out and oftentimes burn it, right? Um, Literally, I'm here I go, I'm putting it out there and I'm torching this thing and giving it away. Yeah. So, so environment can be a big one. You know, oftentimes totally. I'll say it could be as simple as pausing in that moment and then you get a little impression. Okay. You're sitting here at your computer battling your urges and you're sitting here at your computer battling your urges. <laughs> Maybe you need to get your butt out of your chair and change your environment. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's as surrender is as simple as that. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm headed out my door. I'm putting on my running shoes and I'm out there on, uh, you know, for a walk. Yeah. Done. I surrendered. I'm doing it a different way. So there's, and we'll talk about these specific tools another time. Um, But, but here's some, for me, here's some of the miracle of this process is you start to get a better relationship with your higher power or God. And like you, Steve, mine was strained for a long time. It's like, I'm going to turn to who for what? The guy that was (laughs) never there for me? Are you, really, that's your answer. Yeah. But it took me a long time to get to the place where that was, you know, where I felt like I had that connection. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that another time as well. Um, but, but the beauty of when you, when you start to feel really aligned with that higher power and that source of wisdom, I, I know in my past, as I said, well, what do, I, what do I need in this moment? There were some pretty crazy things that would occur to me. Yeah. And I've talked with my clients were like, wow, you, Mark, you won't believe the idea that came into my head about what I needed. And it might be, for example, you know, I just got an image of that delicious, just beautiful dove fudge bar sitting in my freezer. I just saw a picture of it in my head. Mm. And I need to go downstairs right now and just sit and just, just enjoy every second of eating that. Maybe yeah. that's what it is that comes to you in the moment of surrender. But that's the beauty of it. You, there's, you don't know what it's going to be sometimes. It might not be the typical tools. And that's where people really start to increase in their belief and faith in this process is they say, that would never have occurred to me in a million years by myself. Mm. And it was exactly what I needed in that moment. Yes. And so the, the, the last part of the surrender process, which is often the most difficult, is when the impression comes, the idea comes, or that you, you know that you should go and use this specific tool, do it. Yes. And a lot of times with my clients or myself, we get to this part of the surrender process and we're like, oh, that won't work. Or I don't have time for that right now. Or really, that's, that's the answer? 
And so here comes the brain trying to do it its way again, questioning, delaying, you know, I can't act on that right now. No, you do it and you do it now, right now. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's one of the biggest parts of surrender is actually following through. Absolutely. Well, I know our time's growing short, so we probably ought to move the assignment piece on this because there's so much more to say about this. And as, as I'm talking here, I know we're just, we're kind of just doing this on the fly, but I think Mark, it'd be a really good idea if we take next week and at least take a a part of our show and we actually come, come uh, prepared to really show some real world triggers that like you and I are facing right now and how we actually utilize this process. As people who've done this a lot and who've been doing this for a while, this is a really scary process for them. So if, if, unless Mark has any big objections, I think that's what we'll, we'll, we'll focus on at least a good portion of the show next week um, is trying to kind of walk through how this actually looks like in real time and, and then filling in some of the gaps because there's so much to this process and it is very new for, for many listeners. Um, Assignment wise, I think what we ought to, uh, what we're going to have everybody do this week is, is it's going to be kind of a building or an expansion on, I believe, an assignment that we gave earlier uh, about focusing, you know, recognizing the things that you can and can't control. Uh, This week, why don't we have, we're going to have everybody just make a list, right? We're going to keep it real simple this week. Make a list of every single stressor and thing in your life that is out of your control right now. And and for some of you who've done that earlier assignment, that will be pretty easy to do but kind of compile that together and then make a second list. And for each one of those, how would you like it to look differently? And we can talk about next week, how to match your, because one thing that we didn't cover today that I think would really be good to do is how do we match our own wills with our higher powers? In other words, how do you collaborate with your higher power and not just simply just say, well, strictly your will, how do you mesh yours with that so that you're able to really work in tandem? So, yeah. Right. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.